Welcome to High on Healthy, energized by A6 Wellness. Each week, you will learn of the benefits of proper nutrition, supplementation, and personal development to live a healthy and abundant life. Now, here's your personal advocate for living a healthy and active lifestyle, Audrey Kerger. Thank you for joining me today on High on Healthy, energized by A6 Wellness. I'm your hostess, Audrey Kerger, and my guest today is Guillermo Velasco. He was born in Madrid, studied biology, and obtained his PhD degree in 1997 at the School of Biology of the Complutense University, Madrid, Spain. After defending his PhD, he got an EMBO long-term fellowship to work in Philip Cohen's laboratory in Dundee, Scotland, on a project aimed at studying the regulation and Rho-activated protein kinase, a.k.a. ROC. In 1999, he got a position as an assistant teacher at the School of Chemistry of the Complutense University, and since 2003, he is an associated professor of the Department of Biochemistry and Molecular Biology I. 2001, he started a line of research aimed at investigating the mechanisms underlying cannabinoid anti-tumoral action, as well as optimizing the potential clinical utilization of these agents in cancer therapies. Different lines of research in his group are currently investigating the role of endoplasmic reticulum stress, autophage, apoptosis, intracellular trafficking of ceramide, and regulation of mTORC1 and mTORC2 and cannabinoid anti-tumoral action, as well as the participation of growth factor receptors, activated pathways, and the resistance to the anti-neoplastic actions of cannabinoids. Thank you so much for joining me today, Dr. Velasco. Yeah, thank, thank you for, for inviting me to be in this show. It's, it's a pleasure to be with you. So to start off, I would love for you to tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and your studies. Yeah, so as you summarized, uh, well, I've been working with cannabinoids for quite a long time now, and mainly on investigating the mechanisms by which cannabinoids, particularly cannabinoids derived from, from cannabis sativa, KC and CBD, are producing anti-cancer activity, particularly in animal models. So we investigated how these compounds act on cancer cells and they promote cancer cell death. We also analyzed the effect of these compounds on animal models of cancer. And then we try to, to optimize, after understanding the mechanism by which these compounds are acting on cancer cells, we try to investigate how we could improve the effect of cannabinoids by combining with other compounds, with other anti-cancer agents, or also trying to understand what are the mechanisms of resistance to the anti-cancer activity of cannabinoids. So our idea is see, see whether in the future we could add cannabinoids to a potential cocktail to treat cancer, and that would include obviously other drugs, but also include cannabinoids in some cases. And I think most of my research in the last maybe 15 years have been applied to, to these issues. So you have been doing this for quite a long time, and I would like to know what drew you to this line of scientific exploration? Yeah, no, the truth is that I was a little bit by chance at the beginning, because actually I did my PhD on a completely different topic. Um, and then in the lab, there were other people who were already working with cannabinoids. And, and then uh, 
there were some studies where the people were trying to model the effect of cannabinoids on metabolism, but they were using as a model uh, glioma cells, because there are cells that are coming actually from a, from a brain tumor. But then they realized that these cells, when they were treated with cannabinoids, they were, they were being killed. And that was the beginning of a story where many researchers were investigating the potential anti-cancer activity that cannabinoids may have in these glioma cells, in cells that are from, from brain tumors. And then, well, I was really curious from the beginning to know how this was working and trying to understand well the mechanisms. And, and then when I, I realized that there might be a chance of translating this into human uh, treatments, maybe in the future, I thought it was very interesting. I was really committed to, to try to, to know more on, on this and, and maybe trying to help someone in the future. And, and I think that's basically how everything started. And then once we have results that we thought could be interesting, we start to publish in, in scientific journals. Then we, we, we kept moving forward. And yeah, I think the story is developing and, and we are really obtaining results that we believe are quite encouraging. And we hope that maybe in the future, we could really help someone to, to combat their cancer. So. Have you currently been working on testing the cannabinoids on humans at this point in time, or is it still animal testing? Well, there are, we in the lab, because I'm not a medical doctor and people in my team, they are not medical doctors either. So we basically do preclinical research with animal models or in cells or in different models. But we do have collaborations with medical doctors, with oncologists. And yeah, we are trying to, to promote clinical studies. But it's quite interesting because based on, on the data that we obtained in the lab and we published a few years ago, uh, there was a first uh, clinical study that was performed, has been performed actually in patients with glioblastoma. And multiforme is a, a type of brain cancer that is very aggressive. Um, and these people were treated with a combination of temozolomide, that is the chemotherapeutic agent that is used for the treatment of this type of, of cancer in combination with Sativex, that is a cannabinoid-based medicine, contains both THC and CBD. So this is a clinical study that has been run by a pharma company uh, named GW Pharma. It's a UK company. But they have just released the first data on, on this study, and it seems to have positive results. So the fact that it seems to enhance at least a, a little bit the survival of the patients that have been treated with a combination of Sativex and temozolamide in comparison with those patients who have been only treated with, with temozolamide. So I think that's quite encouraging. And actually, we have in mind to promote additional studies in the near future in collaboration with some other oncologists in Madrid. And yeah, I think we are not trying specifically the clinical studies ourselves, but we are trying to help the clinicians to, to run these studies and give, giving them our support and then trying to do translational studies on samples derived from the patients to try to learn as much as possible of how cannabinoids work, how can we improve cannabinoid effect on, on these uh, patients, etc. So I think, I mean, it's an interesting time to be working on this, and, and we are really committed on, on this work. Okay, well, I know that we need to take a short break, but when we come back, we are going to continue this discussion with Guillermo Velasco, the Associate Professor of Biochemistry at Complutense University in Madrid, Spain. We'll be right back. Awaken, adjust, and aspire to hear more High on Healthy after this short rest break. 
the smoke is rising and the next crop of podcasts devoted to cannabis providers and enthusiasts are ready to be harvested welcome to the cannabis radio network founded by respected rainmakers who have been producing award-winning podcasts for over a decade industry headlines business updates medical reports marketing and e-commerce education rolled up perfectly for your consumption let's grow together the cannabis radio network cannabisradio.com ignite the conversation on some trending topics along the cannabis radio social media network Join our crew of thousands on our Cannabis Radio page on Facebook or at Canna Radio, C-A-N-N-A Radio on Twitter. Plus, look for our Facebook and Google Plus pages for all of our original programs and connect with Dr. Dina, Kyle Cushman, Dr. Mitch Earlywine, Nurse Heather, Doc Rob, the hosts of Gondrepreneur, and more. Connect with the growing Cannabis Radio social crusade at Canna Radio on Twitter or search for Cannabis Radio on Facebook, Google Plus, and Instagram and grow with us. Equio, New Frontier's cutting-edge big data platform, puts the information and answers you need right at your fingertips in real time to help you more effectively run your cannabis business. Go to www.equio.io to sign up for your free membership today. Again, that's www.equio.io. Run with New Frontier and let us help you conquer the wild. Let's get back to getting high on healthy, energized by A6 Wellness, only on CannabisRadio.com. Thank you for joining me today on High on Healthy, Energized by A6 Wellness. I'm your hostess, Audrey Kerger, and my guest today is Guillermo Velasco, who has 199 papers that have been published to PubMed.gov, our U.S. Department of Health and Human Services Medical Encyclopedia. And we were just discussing some of the work that has been done by GW Pharmaceutical. And I wanted to ask um, Dr. Velasco, do you understand the difference and could you explain to us really what the difference of sativa x is versus a natural phytocannabinoid sativa x obviously is a trademark by by gw pharma and they have this uh, product themselves but basically sativa x uh, to the best of my knowledge and i think it's already published and also described in the in the prescription that they have is uh, actually a combination of two extracts from plants that are rich on tasty and rich on CBD. So probably there are not many differences uh, in terms of the comparison between natural extracts that one could produce at home or, or these extracts. The only thing is obviously knowing the precise amount of the active principle that is present in this extract. And then uh, I think on, on that way, I think it would be quite easy for other companies or so for particular people to produce extracts that contain very similar amounts of TAC and CBD. And probably there are similar products that are available or in the market, particularly in the, in the United States, where you have different states where uh, medical cannabis is actually legal and, and can be distributed. So in that way, I mean, Sativex is just a medicine that contains the mixture of two extracts, one enriched in TAC and another enriched in CBD. And they, they know they have a controlled amount of TAC and CBD, and that's probably important in terms of administering the patients the right amount of the active compounds that is required for different applications. But otherwise, I think it's not 
it's not different, it's not something synthetic or something that cannot be produced by a plant because actually these are extracts from plants that are mixed together to generate this uh, sativex medicine. Wonderful. Thank you for explaining that to us. I really appreciate it. I wanted to ask next, what have you and your team currently been working on in your laboratory? Yeah, so in, t- in terms of the, the effect of cannabinoids in, in cancer cells, and well, one of the things that we are doing is to understand well uh, how the, how is the effect of the combination of KC and CBD with other anti-cancer agents. And we explored, uh, as I mentioned before in the past, but also we, we, we keep doing it, the combination with temozolamide in the case of, of brain tumors. But we are also analyzing other compounds or the drugs that are being used for the treatment of different cancers uh, because we have uh, previous data showing there are some signaling pathways that are associated to the resistance to cannabinoid anti-cancer activity. So then we found potential targets by which we could inhibit these pathways that are promoting resistance to cannabinoid anti-cancer action. So by blocking these pathways, we can increase the anti-cancer activity of cannabinoids. And then we are doing work on that on in vitro, but also on animal models and, and, and trying different combinations of different agents. In addition to that, some other people in my team are also investigating the, the mechanism by which cannabinoids promote cancer cell death. And then one of the things that we have found during these years is that cannabinoids, particularly TAC, uh, by binding to cannabinoid receptors, is able to promote uh, autophagy-mediated cell death. So autophagy uh, is a process by which the, cell, the cells are able to self-digest, let's say, this process can have different outcomes. Could be more protective in a situation, for instance, where the cells are starving, they don't have nutrients, and then try to self-digest to obtain some of the nutrients that they don't have. But in some cases, and it seems to be the case actually when we treat the cells with TACI, then this autophagy is overactivated on a way that is promoting cancer cell death. And then we have been trying to to investigate the precise mechanisms that regulate this autophagy uh, that promotes cancer cell death. And we believe that could be something specifically activated by cannabinoids in cancer cells. And because we are a more biochemistry laboratory, we are very much interested in these mechanisms. And then we found things that are interesting, but we, we keep investigating on, on this issue. And probably in relation with cannabinoids, these are the two main projects that we are running at the moment. So you guys are definitely finding some pretty amazing things that this plant can do for the human mind-body, it sounds like. Um, I'd like to ask a little bit more about our endogenous cannabinoids. Now, I know that we currently have two different cannabinoids that our body naturally produces, anandamide and then 2-AG. I've heard it referred to as the workhorse cannabinoid, this 2-AG. Can you explain to us what that would mean? Well, I mean, that's a brilliant expression to, to indicate that actually we see in our body, we have molecules that are regulating many different actions, and these molecules are called endocannabinoids. So it's true that the effect of phytocannabinoids, like TAC mainly, is via cannabinoid receptors. But cannabinoid receptors are proteins that are in our body, but not to actually uh, receive the signals by cannabinoids from the plant, but, but to receive the signals of, of endocannabinoids, like 2-AG or anandamide. And actually, 2-AG and anandamide through these cannabinoid receptors can regulate many different functions in our body, like appetite, pain, or movement, or many other functions. And actually, the, the base of the use of cannabinoids as therapeutic agents 
is the fact that they are interacting within this endocannabinoid system. So in that way, one could think that the endocannabinoids are actually regulating many of the functions that, that we want also to, to regulate by using phytocannabinoids or exocannabinoids that are coming from outside our body. So in that way, one could think that these endocannabinoids are already playing the work that these drugs could also do. Uh, then when we could discuss whether it's enough with the endocannabinoid system or for some applications, it's necessary to have a stronger stimulation of the system that we can get with these other drugs like uh, cannabinoids, like TAC, that could interact with the cannabinoid receptors and stimulate further these processes and then promote an effect that could be therapeutically more relevant. That sounds like some amazing information for all of our listeners to digest. I know I will definitely be listening to this show again um, once it's released. I'd like to ask a little bit about how our body is producing normal amounts of cannabinoids for like a healthy person. And our body is creating these 2-AG and anandamide. Is there any negative effect to supplementing our bodies with phytocannabinoids that are found in the marijuana or the hemp plant? Because I know here in America that these types of supplementations, not even through a medical professional, just natural supplementations are becoming very popular. So do you believe within the studies that you've conducted that there would be any negative effects? Well, I think like for any substance, even for, for any medicine or active principle, there could be always, let's say, side effects. So obviously one of the facts, one of the, one of the issues that endocannabinoids, but also phytocannabinoids like TAC is regulating is... Uh, well, at the brain level, they can regulate psychoactivity. The fact that they can influence on some of the regions in the brain that regulate well, different functions regulated in the context of psychoactivity, like uh, self-awareness or or other other issues that could be really associated to psychoactivity. And, and the fact is that um, when one is using, for instance, TACI or a medicine that contains TACI and is activating CB1 receptor in the brain, then it can develop some psychoactivity. And depending on the person, that could be something negative or could be something tolerable or could be something uh, that is not really modifying significantly the behavior of the person. But obviously that could be something negative or not. For, for Probably for the people who are using cannabinoids for recreational purposes, they are actually looking for that psychoactivity. However, for patients who are looking for, for attenuated other symptoms, for instance, for or stimulated appetite or for decreasing pain, maybe they are not looking for this psychoactivity. So in that way, that could be a side effect that needs to be regulated. But I wouldn't say that that's different than for any other medicine, because when one is using, for instance, antidepressants or using any other drug that is currently used in our society that has also side effects. What obviously is uh, looking for the benefit of, the, of taking the drug, but it's also being aware that these side effects could develop. So in that way, obviously there are side effects of, of, of using phytocannabinoids and specifically medicines that contain tasting. But as far as they are controlled and they are, let's say, regulated by a medical doctor who can say that's positive or negative for a particular person, I think that should be fine. Uh, but obviously there are, there are side effects, and particularly if psychoactivity is 
particularly negative for a person, that could be something negative or, or something not positive associated to a therapy. Okay, so speaking of the negative side effects with the psychoactivity, what about supplementation from the hemp oil, which would contain less than 0.3% THC, so there are no true psychoactive effects? Yeah, but I think the truth is that CBD in general does not have psychoactivity, whereas TAC does it, and the reason is, is because TAC is binding CB1 receptor that is present in our brain, in the regions in the brain that regulate psychoactivity, whereas CBD is not so clear how it's working, but it doesn't bind with high affinity to CB1 receptor. Therefore, if one has an oil or an extract that contains a low percentage of TAC, is quite unlikely that it's going to develop psychoactivity. However, the percentage of TAC uh, doesn't say the amount of TAC that actually is our body receiving. So that's why the percentage doesn't mean anything. What is important is the amount, let's say the milligrams or the um, micromoles of a certain compound that our body is receiving. So independently of the percentage, the important will be the total amount of TAC or CBD that the patient is, is is being receiving or, or the person is, is getting from these uh, CBD supplements, let's say. So in principle, it shouldn't be negative, but probably the, the threshold is the amount of TAC that is producing psychoactivity in certain person. So for most of the people, uh, one needs to go above at least 10 milligrams of TAC to produce psychoactivity, but it depends on the person. Some person doesn't feel anything, even up to 20 milligrams of TAC, whereas some others could have some symptoms of psychoactivity below 10 milligrams of TAC. So having a 0.3% TAC extract uh, doesn't mean anything unless we know the amount of this extract that the person is taking. So in general, I would say that the, the chance of having psychoactivity is low, but there could be some chance of having some psychoactivity depending on the amount of the, this extract that the people or the person in particular is taking. Well, thank you for giving us that amazing answer. We do need to take a short break, but when we come back, we will continue our discussion with Dr. Guillermo Velasco, Associate Professor of Biochemistry at Complutense University in Madrid, Spain. More when High and Healthy returns in a minute. Awaken, adjust, and aspire to hear more High on Healthy after this short rest break. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now About a game for your phone, gonna make you say wow The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash Little by little, your empire grows large Put the big celebrities inside your entourage You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Chichin Chong Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong The name of the game is Hemping, that's the point Download and play while you light yourself a joint Business and cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot proved by the man who run high times. Oh yeah, get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. Hi, I'm Montel Williams. Most of you know me as a talk show host, but I'm also an author, actor, single father of four, avid snowboarder, and I'm also a medical marijuana patient. Living with multiple sclerosis, I'm in pain every day. Medical marijuana is my last resort, and it helps me when all other drugs have failed. If you'd like more information about medical marijuana, you can contact the Marijuana Policy Project at 
mpp.org or call 1-877-JOIN-MPP. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Let's get back to getting high on healthy, energized by A6 Wellness, only on cannabisradio.com. Thank you for joining me today on High Unhealthy, Energized by A6 Wellness. I'm your hostess, Audrey Kerger, and we've been chatting with Dr. Guillermo Velasco, who has written 199 papers that have been published to PubMed.gov, our U.S. Department of Health and Human Services Medical Encyclopedia. Now, we were just discussing levels of THC and psychoactivity, and I wanted to ask another question about our endogenous cannabinoids. Are there many active scientific studies going on currently about our endogenous cannabinoids? Yeah, well, there are a lot of um, different groups all around the world, including the United States, also Europe and, and Spain specifically, that are working on the effect of endocannabinoids in, in the body in different functions. So understanding the mechanism by which endocannabinoids are produced by different cells in our body and how endocannabinoids are regulating different processes in our brain but also in other parts of our body is a very exciting uh, area of research. And I think there are many people who are trying to understand well how are these mechanisms working. Um, endocannabinoids are normally are being released by our, our neurons and many times they are acting uh, presynaptically. So let's say when one has a synapsis, is one neuron is acting on, on, on the following neuron during this uh, synaptic axis, let's say. But normally most of the neurotransmitters are released by the, the presynaptic neuron, they are released and acting on the next neuron, the postsynaptic neuron. But uh, endocannabinoids are normally released by the postsynaptic neuron to regulate the release of main neurotransmitters by the presynaptic neuron. And many researchers, including many in the United States, have been investigating this effect in different neurons in different regions in the brain, and they have shown how endocannabinoids regulate different functions at the level of different regions in the brain. And some of them have to do with appetite control, pain control, movement control, and, and many other functions. So actually, uh, endocannabinoids seem to be very important mediators in our body, and they seem to be regulating many functions, and there are definitely many groups in the world who are investigating in detail how they are actually producing this effect. Now, talking a little bit more about phytocannabinoids, has there been a lot of studies done on concentrations of THC that's necessary to produce psychoactive effects in the human body? I know you mentioned like 10 milligrams, 20 milligrams. It really depends on the person. Are they actually conducting studies around the world to figure out what is a baseline to find that concentration? Yeah, I mean, there are probably also groups working on this. I don't know any any group in particular, but but one of the things that is important to understand is that obviously uh, the concentration of cannabinoids that is reaching 
let's say, our cannabinoid receptors in our brain uh, may depend on, on different factors. So as, as for any medicine or any drug that is centered in our body, there is an interaction of the drug with the body, and that's probably the effect that we are looking for, but also there is an interaction of the body with the drug in the sense that the body is metabolizing the drug. And it's, it, this metabolization, in many, in many cases, occurs in the liver, um, regulates the levels of the active principle that is present in our blood and in our fluids in the body. And depending on the person, one could have a more active or less active metabolism against these drugs that uh, at the end of the day would lead to a higher or lower concentration of the active principle within our blood or, or within our body in general. Uh, on top of that, um, obviously we all have cannabinoid receptors, but there are always variations between one person and the other. There is a, a concept in biochemistry that we, we name polymorphism that really means that uh, we may have all the same protein, but with little variations, actually variations that could affect a single amino acid or single component of our proteins, but they could really influence the way these proteins are acting. And for instance, polymorphisms of the cannabinoid receptor could influence the strength which with these receptors are being activated. So let's say there is a factor that means uh, two different persons are taking, for instance, the same amount of TAC. However, these persons have a different weight or, or different amount of, of uh, fat because cannabinoids are normally being accumulated in the fat. And then they could have different metabolism at, uh, in the liver that could lead to a different processing of these cannabinoids and then a different levels of cannabinoids. And they also may have differences in the uh, precise um, in, in, the, in the precise sequence of the cannabinoid receptors. So the consequence of all that probably is uh, which is the concentration of cannabinoids that really produce active uh, psychoactivity or any other effects in the body. But that could be different between one person and the other. Um, and this is the same for other purposes is being applied like uh, precision medicine or individualized medicine. So now for many treatments, medical doctors and researchers are trying to understand what are the facts that determine that one person is responding better or worse to a certain therapy, and that can be influenced for all, for all these facts. So that's why many research has to be conducted as yet in order to understand well why, for some people, the effect of cannabis could be higher or lower uh, if they both have received the same amount of PC or, or or, or their cannabinoid that, that is active. And obviously there are many factors that could influence and we are far to understand completely uh, what's going on uh, in a particular personnel. All these things that I mentioned are facts that are influencing these, uh, these effects. That makes complete sense. Each person uh, is a different body and a different body type. And so everything is going to react differently. Even having a cup of coffee is going to make each person react differently. Mm. So I totally understand and comprehend what you are saying with that. Um, so one of the last questions I'd like to ask you before um, you leave us today is in the United States right now, we currently have a law that states that we must have less than 0.3% THC on any hemp products that are being imported into the country for use. I know that it is becoming very, very 
big subject matter to be ingesting raw phytocannabinoids from the hemp plant. And that I have personally even heard many people getting wonderful anecdotal testimonies on how these raw cannabinoids with very little THC in them without even having the you know, decarboxylation activation for these products, um, they're still getting these amazing effects. Could you tell me a little bit about why that may be? People are getting such wonderful effects, not even using marijuana, but just using raw hemp oil extracts um, with such little amounts of THC. Well, it's true that the, the other main phytocannabinoids, that is CBD, uh, has also therapeutic uh, effects in different applications. Um, we know less about the mechanism by which CBD is producing these effects, although there are some evidences that it's also acting through different types of receptor. It's also uh, an antioxidant compound, and it seems to have very interesting therapeutic properties. So some of these effects that the people could experience with these low TAC extracts could be due to the fact that CBD is present. Um, also, on top of that, there could be other cannabinoids, other compounds produced by, by cannabis sativa, that is not TAC, it's not CBD, um, including cannabis, but also including theopines. Um, do we know if these compounds are doing something? Uh, we don't know it for sure. I mean, there are still um, a few studies, but not, not many studies that suggest that both terpenes and also these other cannabinoids may have also activity, may also have therapeutic activity in different applications. And chances are that some of these effects that the people are experiencing are due to these to this compounds. The problem is that scientifically, we have very sound evidences on the mechanism by which TAC is acting. We have less evidence on the mechanism by which CBD is producing their effects or its effects. And then for the other compounds, we have very little scientific evidence. So it's something that still needs to be investigated. So I don't have a, a real answer to this thing. So uh, one possibility would be that still the low percentage of TAC could be helping to produce effects in some of these patients or people who are using these drugs. The other is that the effect is mainly due to CBD. And the other possibility is that it's a combination of the effect of TAC, CBD, and the other components that are present in the drugs. And this is probably something that is encouraging further investigation on trying to understand why other components of the plants may also have therapeutic properties. However, we don't know so much about it. There are very little or very, very few number of studies published on this issue. And then it's hard to say for sure what's going on. Although, obviously, if the people are experiencing or having a good experience in the use of these soils, and probably the fact that they are containing CBD and a low percentage of TAC suggests that CBD is doing something and maybe the other components present in the oils. Well, I definitely think that maybe there should be a study of all the people that currently are using these products that are doing it voluntarily as a supplement should be enrolled in because I know for myself and my family and friends, we've personally been using supplementation and I have seen some miraculous things happen in a very short amount of time. Not saying that this is a healing medicine, but I definitely have seen some things happen with people that I have never seen before, even going as far as a uh, 
friend of mine, her leg was almost amputated and she decided to do these natural phytocannabinoid hemp oil extracts um, internally as well as externally. And she actually was able to combat the inflammation and the poison that was attacking her body. And now she is actually up and walking around and sharing this story. And that's one of the reasons I like to have scientists like you um, interview with me because this is such a huge gateway into our future. And so I just really appreciate you being here and sharing all of your knowledge with us today. I'd like to ask lastly, how can our listeners stay up to date with things that you and your team are currently and in the future working on? How would we be able to follow you? Well, so we have obviously publications and also we have in, in our website, although we are now refurbishing the, the website to, to improve it, but in our website, we are also putting information on, on our research. Also, we participate in, in the Spine Society for Cannabis Research. That is a society of 150 researchers in Spain who are developing, developing studies on, on, on cannabinoids. And then we also have a website where there are news on, on different developments that we are generating. So, I mean, there are different ways by which uh, people can follow. Unfortunately, I don't have a very active uh, Facebook or, or Twitter site. It's something that I need to definitely create soon, but I don't really have time to, to do it. So I need to, to get someone to help me with that. But I still I think it should be possible to follow in, in our website or the website of this Spanish Society for Canadian Research our advances on, on Canadian research. Well, I will definitely make sure that on your episode, when it releases, we do have the website up for our listeners to be able to go and take a peek. Now we have to wrap it up, but to continue this discussion, visit a6wellness.com, download episodes by going to cannabisradio.com or subscribing to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. You can also follow the show on social media by searching A6 Wellness. And we cannot forget to give a tremendous thank you to our guest today, Dr. Guillermo Velasco from Madrid, Spain. It was wonderful chatting with you and learning so much today. And lastly, thank you to my producer, George, for another great show. Until then, awaken, adjust, aspire, affirm, action. A6 Wellness. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.